Sabonis brought it to him. Hey, what is up? You are listening to the All Pacers Pod, a podcast for Pacers fans, by Pacers fans. I'm your host, Jack, and today I'm joined by Sal, who is the social media manager for the All Dot Pacers, All Pacers brand. Sal, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm hoping that we're going to go on a, another losing streak. I'm happy with the runs that the young guys are getting, and um, overall, I'm just hoping that we can uh, stay as a bottom five team in the NBA right now. Are we bottom five right now? I think so. Man, okay. I just have that number eight stuck in my head right now. Uh, maybe because that's just what we've been expecting as our draft pick for so long. But I know we're right around the, what, Kings, Spurs, Pelicans range? We are fifth. We are fifth right now. Unreal. Worst. And if we lose this game that is happening the moment as we speak, we will be uh, in a good spot to keep fifth, fifth for a while. So Pacers haven't had a single-digit draft pick since... I believe at least 1990. Yeah, that's right. Which is 32 years. Wild. Hopefully we can experience a single-digit draft pick uh, for the first time in, I guess, both of our lives. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. I, I don't know if we've talked about it on this podcast before, but you know we did have the second overall pick in the 1984. I think it was 84 draft. We traded it away to the Trailblazers, I believe, who ended up taking Sam Bowie. But Michael Jordan was available there. We could have had MJ. Look, we got to keep these single-digit picks. Good things happen and can happen when you get those. It's potentially, you know, franchise-changing and franchise-altering. Look, if we had Michael Jordan, we may not even be talking about how excited we are for this single-digit pick, you know? Like... This could just be a huge disappointment for people like us. But, man, this is what we want right now because we haven't made it to the apex of the NBA, which is that championship. And maybe this is the way to do it. I don't know. What do you think of when I say that? Well, I think that the Pacers are finally heading in the right direction with in terms of losing and resting injury-prone players that have injury history. Uh, I'm liking the fact that young guys get to consistently play now. Isaiah Jackson is getting... Basically 20 minutes a game. Goga's starting, uh, although that is due to injuries for the most part. But um, I think that maybe Herb Simon realizes that there's only 35 games left in the season. We know TJ Warren is probably not coming back. He might just walk in free agency. But uh, I think that we're in good spots for a player that could change our franchise and turn it totally around. And if we get a top three pick, those top three guys are definitely... um, franchise altering players i mean this draft is a lot stronger than it has been or at least as it was last year it seems like i mean this pit i mean this what 2021 draft could end up being a really good draft but i mean on paper right now this 2022 draft looks really good one through eight i think um well actually one through nine because i'm really high on ty ty washington now too um and i think espn has him clocking in at ninth on the big board. So we'll see how all that shakes out. Obviously nothing set in stone yet, but I think with the Pacers past what they've shown us in the past from who they've drafted, it's hit or miss, but we, you know, the team has struck gold at times when, you know, like it was a middle of the lottery or late lottery, um, middle of the first round type of pick, like, you know, Roy Hibbert, Paul George, 
those types of draft picks. Yes, we have gotten TJ Leaf and Goga Patadze in the past. Actually, I don't want to. I don't want any Goga slander here for a little bit, as long as he <laughs> continues to play like he's playing right now. Um, but I will admit that's not one of our best draft picks. But I mean, who knows, man? Maybe the organization which we've always believed in, um, Chad Buchanan and Kevin Pritchard, maybe they'll get a good guy here in this draft and someone that we can be excited about pairing with Chris Duarte and Isaiah Jackson and now Goga Patadze going forward. For sure. And uh, shout out to TJ Leaf, who just had 43 points in his CBA debut. Just wanted to mention that. Maybe we should bring him back, but he had 43 in his debut uh, China League basketball game. So I saw him scoring some layups, and when I was watching, I was like, dude, he couldn't finish under the rim for the Pacers. What's what's different right now? I don't know, man. Maybe he just needed to clear his headspace a little bit. So good for him, man. I didn't know it was 43. Yeah, it was. Unbelievable. A guy who I claimed was better than Lonzo Ball at UCLA. Yikes. Yeah, big miss by me. A guy, I mean, TJ Leaf was probably the worst player in the NBA for a little bit. <laughs> you could argue. Uh, so we got a full episode today. So let's kind of just go ahead and get started with some news, which... There's not a ton of news. Some of the the headlining pieces are Lance is on his fourth 10-day contract. There's been times the past week where I'm worried that we're not going to see him after this 10-day contract is up as a pacer anymore. But, I mean, this Charlotte game that's going on right now, we're going to talk about here in a bit. Um, He's looking good here as a playmaker, at least. And we've seen, you know, flashes from him consistently as a playmaker. So I I really do think the pacer is just going to after this 10-day contract is up, they're just going to you know, re-sign him for the remainder of the season. Well, I think he's locked in for the rest of the season for sure. Maybe even next season, depending if we're going towards a tank or not. Um, I think that the fans, the Pacers organization has to know that the fans love Lance uh, and that we've already been through so much as a fan base this season that um, if you're keeping a player that maybe isn't, competent enough to contribute to win sometimes it doesn't really matter because you're getting entertainment value you're probably selling more tickets since you signed lance so i don't see any cons of keeping him right now i don't know how you felt watching it sal the warriors game was my favorite game to watch this season which is crazy because i do support the tank and it is not you know i've been saying a loss is a win but the beating the Warriors with our roster that we had out there with Kiefer Sykes hitting big shots, Justin Holiday losing Curry, getting open, hitting the three to send it to overtime. I mean, that was a fun game. Did you leave that one stoked, or were you, you know, thinking, man, it would have been nice to have a loss here? What, what were your thoughts? I watched the game and I was texting uh, my buddies, and I was like, uh, "This is a great game, but I really hope we lose." Right. And when Justin Holiday hit that shot, I got really hyped. And they were like, why are you switching up? I'm like, I still want it to be a close game. So I like close games that we lose as of right now. Um, I think the only reason we we won this game is because Draymond Green was not playing. And um, But yeah, I'll take a win occasionally, especially when it's against a big team on, uh, I think we were on, were we on national TV that day? Yeah. So that was a, a win that I would like to see. And same with the Lakers game that was the next game following up where we dethroned the King. Yes, and we'll we'll talk about that, like I said, here in a little bit. But I uh, just wanted to bring that up. Just an exciting moment that happened and newsworthy, no doubt. There's been a lot of talk uh, 
Miles Turner and Levert getting traded before the deadline, which is in 15 days, and we're going to talk about that a little bit too here soon. Um, but there's been a lot of Miles Turner, Karis Levert talk to the point where I kind of feel like they're going to be gone by the trade deadline. And uh, Justin Holiday and Jeremy Lamb as well. What What are your thoughts there? So I think right now players are playing for uh, trade value to go up. I think that we're going to lose a lot of veterans that we have right now. Uh, this is what I predict, and I, I don't know um, if my predictions can be accurate because whenever we do predict something to change in the front office or like on the roster by the deadline, it never happens. Right. So uh, I think Justin Holiday is a uh, sneaky target for like every single championship contending team right now because he's the perfect player for, for that on a smaller salary. Um, I think that Karras um, is a, is being shopped around right now. Uh, I think that there's a few teams that want him, but I do predict that we hold him for the rest of the season at least because uh, we can see what we can do with him in the off season. But I do think that Miles Turner is going to be gone by the time, uh, I guess, this trade deadline comes around. Which is in 15 days as we're talking right now. I mean, by the time you're listening to this, it could be 14 days. could be 13 days. We'll see how our producer Combs puts this one together and how quick that happens. But the point is the trade deadline's coming up. So the whole, you know, next two weeks is going to be exciting. And hopefully something happens. We've had our hopes up and our hopes high for as long as I can remember. Every time we get to the trade deadline, I'm always stoked. And either nothing happens or we get Nick Stauskas and Wade Baldwin Jr., who we end up waving anyway. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully we can send Turner to a championship contending team, give him a shot to, you know, show what he's capable of in the NBA. Um, I, I, I do believe Levert will be traded before the deadline. We'll see how that goes. Um, so we kind of have differing thoughts there, but maybe yours is safer because the Pacers don't always make moves. So we'll see, yeah. but so it could be active. There has been some Sabonis talk, but the biggest one I've seen is like De'Aaron Fox and Harrison Barnes for Sabonis. And I, I don't think that makes sense for the Pacers. Um, so I, I think Sabonis is going to be safe through the deadline. I mean, safe the, meaning he'll be a Pacer, Yeah. but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that all goes. As of now, it sounds like the ball's moving. Ball's rolling a lot for Miles Turner and Levert to be moved. The Kings shut down those trade rumors for Fox, and they're not trading either Fox or Halliburton right now, apparently. So don't have to worry about that one. All right. Well, they're stupid for not trading yeah, Fox or Halliburton right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. And then finally, which we're going to talk about as we do some game recaps, there's been a lot of talk in the Pacers community, at least amongst fans, between Goga and Isaiah Jackson who's better is one of them worth building around or at least having in the core going forward because both of them have shown flashes here recently. Sal, I, I typically lean towards Goga and I know you typically lean towards Isaiah Jackson. I'm going to be honest. I'm kind of flipping a little bit. I, I've loved what I've seen from Isaiah Jackson recently, especially the Warriors game when he got thrown out, uh, when Goga got thrown out and Isaiah Jackson stepped up and man, he looked good. So what is your take on this? Is this a battle that's worth um, following, or is this just something that's irrelevant once our main guys come back? I think right now they can coexist, especially if Miles Turner is getting traded. Um, 
Goga is two years older. Um, Isaiah Jackson is only 20 years old. So by the time he's even 24, he can be a great starting quality NBA player. He's got like seven years before he hits his prime. So assuming that that would be at 27. And I feel like he's more defensively versatile than Goga is. Even though Goga has shown flashes of uh, good rim protection, uh, I think that Isaiah can just do more um, offensively and defensively. Maybe not right now because Goga has more NBA experience for sure and more logged minutes. But uh, Jackson, I mean, even in Matt Ants, he was uh, having great games. Like he had, he was five for five from three one game, and uh, he's just he, he's a very versatile player. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he's a great rim roller. That's exactly what we predicted him coming out of college was that kind of like Nick Claxton type of player who Nick Claxton's looked really good this year when he's played. But uh, yeah, I've liked what I've seen from Isaiah Jackson. Goga still has a lot that we're waiting to see more of from him, like his three-point shooting and his rim protection, which we've seen flashes uh, of both of those from him in the past. So we know it's there and there's possibility for him to grow through that. It's just, can he be consistent with it? And I mean, like you said, he's two years older than Isaiah Jackson. Isaiah Jackson's only 20, which is wild. He was drafted Mm -hmm. when he was 19. So he's young. And I honestly, you know, I'm, not super close to 20 years old anymore but when I when I was 20 like you know your whole thought process and where you are um mentality wise I I mean and also like it has to be super I I don't want to say scary but intimidating to be around like some of these older dudes who have been in the NBA for a long time and like someone who's 20 like coming in trying to prove themselves like he knows he's the youngest guy on the team and like I'm sure he's just trying to learn and grow as much as possible during the season and man hopefully like once he gets his sea legs a little bit and gets a little more comfortable we'll get to see some uh new things from him but so far so good i I gotta i gotta say so far so good and totally agree yeah especially like in hindsight would i trade aaron holiday and a second round pick for him Uh, you know again yeah 100 i'd I'd make that trade 10 times out of 10 so uh yeah i i like what we have with him going forward and Let's now move on to some trade talk, which we have just alluded to, and we're going to get there. But first, I got to share this stat with you because we didn't do a stat of the day, and I meant to bring this up. But Justin Holiday had 173 three-point field goals made during the 2020-2021 season, which was last season. There are seven instances of a Pacers player having more three-pointers made in a season than that in the history of the franchise. And out of those seven other uh, seasons that people have had more than 173 three-point field goals made, it's only three people who have had more than 173. Does that does that make sense at all? So in the top seven, it's just three different guys. Yeah. So give me those three guys, um, and let's see if you can guess it. I'll give you one incorrect guess. Reggie Miller. Yep. Reggie had 229 three-point field goals made in 96-97 season. That's first for the Pacers. He's also third and seventh. That means Justin Holiday last year. His And there's a point to all this. His He made more three-point field goals than Reggie did in a season, all but three times, which is wild when you think about 
how prolific a three-point career Reggie had. It's a different NBA, yes, but just worth mentioning. So you got Reggie. You got two more we're looking for. Danny Granger. Yep, Danny Granger is fifth with 182, and then he's also ninth uh, with 171. And I'll go with Doug McDermott. No, uh, he is not a top 10 guy. You get one right. more guess. That was your incorrect. Jalen Rose. No, it was Paul George. So 2015-16, he had 210. He's also tied for third with Reggie with 195 and tied with Danny Granger for fifth with 182. So Reggie, Paul George, and Danny Granger are the three players in Pacers history who have had more three-pointers made in a season than Justin Holiday did last year. And the point is, is you know, obviously right now Justin Holiday is our only three-point consistent or consistent three-point shooter on the Pacers. Yeah. And can guard multiple positions. I know he's smaller, but like he's quick and can stay in front of guys. And to have like a three and D guy, more emphasis on the three, but still a three and D guy. Like I mean, there's going to be some contenders coming. Uh, and knocking on the door about Justin Holiday, so I really do think there's possibility to move him. When you look at the numbers and you know recent his what recent seasons, I think he shot forty percent from three last year too. I could be wrong on that, but I mean when you're looking at what he's capable of and what he's proven in the past, I, I really think some of these championship contending teams are gonna come looking for him. So. We're going to talk about that here in a second. I just wanted to bring that up. Does that stun you that there were only three Reggie seasons where there were more threes made than last season, Justin Holiday? Not really, because I've heard a lot of things like that. This is obviously an impact of the era, but like back then, it wasn't really an efficiently shot shot, if that makes sense. Three-point shooters that were really elite weren't like shooting it at like a high efficient clip if that makes any sense yeah no that makes sense i i mean you know reggie has he he had the most threes ever made in a career until ray allen broke that so the thought there is like okay well he's probably had 200 a year or that's at least how i thought through it he's probably had like 200 a year for his career whatever um uh and when you look at the numbers, he just had one season where he was over 200. So kind of kind of crazy to me, at least in that aspect. But, you know, honestly, he played 18 years for Indy, and just three of those seasons he had more threes made than Justin Holiday, who is almost a no-name in a lot of ways, especially when you're looking at Reggie, Paul George, and Danny Granger, who are, I mean, even when you go down, their top 11, 10th has Reggie and Paul George tied. But it's only those three names and then Justin Holiday last year. Which, I mean, it blows my mind. So, I, I just I needed to share that, man. We'll see if someone picks him up and if there's some other teams that are smart and doing their research. Because Justin Holiday would be a great asset uh, come trade deadline. But let's talk about some of these other trades that we've been hearing about. Um, so, I'm going to let you kick it off. There's been some trade deadline chatter. And I'd just love to hear some of the trades that you think the Pacers could or should make in uh, or come February 10th. Well, I think that Karis LeVert should be shopped around still. I think that the Cavaliers are a perfect destination for him. Uh, I think that a great asset that the Pacers should look at is Isaac Okoro. Um, 
I think I'd like him equally as much as I'd like Sexton. Uh, if we're getting Sexton, I'd hope that uh, that means that we're heading towards more of a tanking, like a harder tank than we're doing right now because he is injured for the season. Uh, but Akora would be really cool to have, and uh, I think that's a pretty possible trade that could happen uh, come the deadline. Miles um, Turner, uh, basically no longer a pacer, if that's something I can say. Um, I think that the top three teams that should be talking with Indiana are the Hornets, the Raptors, and the Warriors. Um, it's been clear that Sabonis is valued really high by the Pacers, and uh, it looks like he's going to be the leader of the team and leader of the core moving forwards. Miles um, Turner can provide a championship. He can become that last piece for like a team like the Warriors, and um, uh, I'm sure Lakers fans would love him too, but they're not getting him. And uh, the Hornets obviously have been linked to Miles Turner for the past like two years, and same with the Raptors as they're in desperate need of a big man as well. So I think that there's going to be a lot of talk between those three teams, especially because the Warriors have Kaminga and Wiseman and Moody and all those young assets, and they're already still a veteran team with aspects of uh, like with the uh, idea of winning a championship in mind. And the Hornets, Miles um, Turner's perfect guy to pair bet- beside uh, Lamelo and Bridges because he can rim run and he can shoot and he can play defense, which is something that the Hornets don't have right now. And the Raptors, same kind of situation. All their big men that they have are very inconsistent. Precious, Precious Achua shows flashes sometimes, but he's kind of a stinker. Um, and Boucher just picked it up recently. But I think they, they're also interested in Miles Turner. Uh, I know they discussed a trade with OG, which would be an absolute dream for Pacers fans, but I don't think that's going to fall through. I think that it's more likely that we get uh, a decently young, like with a, with a ceiling of about maybe like a borderline all-star one season guy for Miles Turner along with a first-round pick. I think that's kind of the top of what we get for Miles Turner. Yeah, no doubt. So the three teams you named for Turner are the three teams that I've, you know, also heard about for Miles Turner, the Hornets, Warriors, and oh, sorry, who was the last team you said? Hornets, Warriors, Raptors. Oh yeah, and Raptors. I actually didn't write the Raptors down for Miles Turner on this one, mainly because I I don't love what we would get back in return for Miles Turner unless it's OG Ananobi and some picks. I I don't know. The worry for me is like we're gonna get stuck with Goran Dragic or. Chris Boucher, who's 29, he's going to be 30 at the end of this year. Um, and which, you know, is kind of wild to hear. I feel like the first time I ever heard about him was two seasons ago. So you feel like he's younger than he actually is. I didn't is. know he was almost 30. Jeez. Yeah, he's, he's 29. So, I mean, we're gaining four years if we're trading Turner for Chris Boucher. And to but me, we're that more just, interested in the pick and that kind of yeah, trade. The pick and, yeah, the pick and like an OG on an OB type guy. So... Uh, it I guess it depends what the Raptors are wanting too because for me I I don't understand why they would want to trade young wing players for like a Miles Turner because I feel like they're kind of in the same spot as the Pacers right now you know um, where they have like obviously they have some really good players there but it's just not it's not totally working yet and uh, you know Fred VanVleet Pascal Siakam. I don't even know who else they would want to keep 
um, that wouldn't be available in a Miles Turner trade. But like you got these young pieces and good, you know, it's NBA talent where this could work, but it's not working right now. So for me, I just see it as a pacer situation where it's like, why would you want Miles Turner? Because it's not going to really move the needle for you in any way. Um, so I left them off. But yeah, I agree with the Warriors and the Hornets. If it was up to me, I would want to trade with the Warriors. I don't know what they would include. I, I know Kaminga's. Yeah, Kaminga's been picking it up, but I love the prospect of Moody. We were both really high on him uh, for the NBA draft last year. Um, Moody would be a fun one to bring in, see what he's capable of. Maybe James Wiseman, we give him an opportunity. I don't know. But yeah, Turner to the Warriors is the fit that I would like to see. I have some other trade partners, at least uh, potential trade partners for like Karis LeVert. I have one for Sabonis, um, a, a handful for Holiday or Lamb. Um, are are you ready to move on? Are there any other teams that you want to talk Miles Turner? All um, I would say about Miles Turner is that my dream assets that we get back for Turner are either Wiseman or Kaminga. Either or. And that would be awesome. I think realistically we end up with like a first-round pick or two. If the Warriors are smart, which they are, I really think Kuminga and Miles Turner make sense. Yeah. They they got to capitalize on these Steph, Clay, and Draymond years, which mm-hmm. are coming to an end very quickly. Andrew Wiggins is looking really good right now. I don't know if he would be part of that trade. He might have to be. Um, but you got Damian Lee who's looking good uh jordan Poole, who's still young but like i mean he's averaging i think 15 or more this season a game i i'm kind of guessing i want to say 18 i don't think it's that high but you know like this team has a bunch of pieces right now and i feel like if they can just upgrade that kavan looney spot this you know could be a championship contending team so sure i i know there's a lot of like nba nerds that are super high on kavan looney what he brings to the Warriors but man if you could change Kevon Looney and turn it into Miles Turner like dude you're capitalizing on these Steph years that you desperately need to capitalize on so hopefully there's a deal there we'll see James Wiseman's kind of a zero for them right now um, Moody is as well so maybe they'd be willing to part with them as well uh, so I also have, like I said, a few Levert teams. Let's talk about first the Cavaliers, which you already mentioned Isaac Okoro. Um, I am not as familiar with Okoro as it sounds like you are. So like as a Pacer fan, or let's say you're running the organization, why, why would Okoro make sense in Indy? Well, all I know is that, um, see, I don't watch a lot of other teams unless they're playing us. I, I, sometimes I'll occasionally tune in. But I'm basically going off what I hear about him and, like, the odd time I check out his, like, stats and, like, some highlights. But um, I know he's not given a lot of opportunity and he's a little shy when it comes to shooting a lot of shots and, like, kind of showing out. Like, I know when Rubio went down, people expected him to go crazy and he didn't really do that. Uh, I think he's still trying to find his shot maybe or just more confidence but i think that if he's going to a team like the pacers who are trying to re uh, trying to tank i think that uh he would be a great player to have i'm pretty sure he's like 22 or something and he has a pretty high ceiling as well like he could be a guy that if we play our cards right he could be potential all-star talent at some point in his career and i think that 
trading Levert to the Cavs is a perfect situation for the Cavs because they get a secondary ball handler that they can pair with Garland for an already amazing team that's been the biggest surprise of the season. They get Karis Levert, that's a guy that can score, he can ball handle, and I think that just elevates their team to an actual playoff threat, maybe a potential team that could get past the first round and maybe make a noise in the second. So they're already without Sexton and Rubio, and Rubio yeah. is really good for them off the bench. They're in you know desperate need for that secondary playmaker like you're talking about. And Levert creates on offense, doesn't always pass the ball, but like that's as a guy who's going to – I mean, in the perfect world, Karis Levert comes off the bench and he's running your second unit. That's I see him as like a Lou Williams type of player or a Jamal Crawford type of guy where like – they're a bucket when they're in. If they're with that second unit, you know they're the best guy on the court. For sure. Um, and talent-wise, like, yeah, he, he could be a starter. Or he's, he, you know, on, on a lot of teams would be the starter. Um, especially, you know, like the Pacers right now, when we're starting Dwayne Washington and Kiefer Sykes. Like, obviously, it's Karis LeVert starting. But I really do think with his skill set and what he brings to a team, the second unit's perfect for him. I don't know if he's willing to change for that. The Cavaliers would make sense, though, if he comes off the bench and is that creator with, you know, like Kevin Love there. And maybe they bring uh, Evan Mobley in with the second unit, kind of like what the Pacers do a lot with Damanis Sabonis or what they have done in the past, at least with Sabonis. And, I mean, I I like that idea, too. So let's move on. That's the Cavs. I also have the Nuggets trading for Karis LeVert. I don't exactly know what this trade could look like, but I know right now, look, Jokic is looking so good, and obviously they're out there without Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., who, I mean, both those guys are obviously great at basketball, and they're missing them majorly, but Jokic is playing great, and he's keeping the Nuggets at least afloat, Um, but when you watch that team, their second option right now is Aaron Gordon, and sometimes Facundo Capazzo and sometimes Monte Morris and like all those guys maybe not Capazzo but Gordon and Monte Morris are like good NBA players but man if you could add a Karis Levert to that mix at least to take some of the scoring um, responsibility off of Jokic at times who you know Jokic isn't always in the best shape I, I I'd say he's in okay shape right now but like, still, it'd be nice to get him some wind every so often. Let Karis LeVert run with the ball a little bit. Um, I really think that'd be a good fit. I don't know what type of player we could get back in return from them. I really like Zeke Naji. Um, oh, sorry, what were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to say maybe like Bones Highland is the guy we get back. Potentially. Who's been really good. I have a buddy who's a Nuggets fan. Really high on uh, De- De- uh, Devin Reed right now, who was a one-time pacer so he's been playing really yeah, well for I the nuggets that name. i remember that name yeah uh, devon reed yeah so i mean obviously that's not who i wanted to trade i agree with you bones highlands looked really good when he's played um and zeke Naji, i i just i've liked him since the draft so i'm gonna stay high on him um but like a Karis Levert flip with them and maybe add jamichael green's contract in there i think it could work and i think it could make the nuggets instantly better it just depends how the nuggets see their team this year like could they make a push for the finals i don't know um karis levert could help with that though yes he uh 
let's move on to the Clippers. And this one's kind of crazy because I when I watch the Clippers, like you look at their team and it doesn't make sense how it works fully because like Reggie Jackson's putting in all these big minutes, Eric Bledsoe's putting in all these big guard minutes. Um and Luke Kennard as well. It's just it doesn't add up. Obviously Luke Kennard's one of the best players ever to play against the Pacers. <laughs> but like those two guys getting all those guard minutes, it works a lot because they both are capable of like scoring in bunches, but it's very inconsistent. Karis Levert's a guy that I think could squeeze into that rotation pretty quickly um, and make an instant impact. And look, maybe when Kawhi comes back and Paul George is healthy, like if they're both there and Karis Levert's that third guy, man, that could be a really good Clippers team, especially in a West Western Conference that looks wide open right now. Um, I don't know who I would want on that team. Is there anyone that stands out to you if that was a potential trade partner on the Clippers? That we get back from the Clippers? Correct. Well, first thing I'd have to see is how old Terrence Mann is. Uh, he's 25. Okay. Um, that's interesting, but um, I'm trying to think who's even on the Clippers. That's kind of young. I think the only thing we really get back for, for this is for Karis, right? Yeah. I think that if we were to do something with the Clippers, I have a feeling we get like a pick or something uh, or a couple picks maybe, maybe from other teams. I don't know what assets, like what picks that the Clippers have, but, um, uh, oh, a, a guy that we get back could be like Brandon Boston or um, something like that because that's basically the only enticing young guy that they have right now yeah who i've liked watching when he's played his his shooting splits aren't great right now he's shooting 35 from the field and or no sorry 34.8 from the field and uh 28.8 from three so not great but i you know i he's only 20 i think he's super capable had a rough year at kentucky last year um especially with all the hype that was surrounding him you expected him to be better than he was but I mean, there's potential there. You know, don't give up on a guy like that. And uh, we'll we'll see. He's not going to get a lot of opportunity in uh, L.A. to prove himself either, um, especially with that system and all those older players they have, who are playing really well for that system too. So I don't know. Yeah, Brandon Boston might be fun. Keon Johnson was a first round pick this year for the yeah him as well. The Clippers, yeah. But I think it would be a Terrence Mann type of deal, and I don't think the Clippers would be willing to split. But, Sal, I know you love Nicholas Batum. Nick <laughs> Batum, I know you're super high on him. He was a rumored pacer back in, was it last, before he signed with the Clippers. Yeah. It was, I swear uh, there was some buzz with, like, the Pacers and Nicholas Batum. No no doubt there was. It was uh, not this season, but the season before, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, look, he was way better than I ever expected him to be. I think he was just coasting in, uh, in Charlotte, so... He got paid. That's all he needed to do. He got paid, but he is in his 13th year in the NBA. He was born in 1988, so what? He's 33, 34. Not uh, someone you want to trade for if you're the Pacers. Correct. So that's another potential partner. They really have to like throw in some picks and back the bus up a little bit. If they want Levert, I don't know if they're willing to do that. I think Terrence Mann is the, the guy that we'd have to get, and I just don't know if that makes sense. So Grizzlies is who I'm going to talk about next. I don't know if they want to upgrade their wing players totally, but I think Levert is definitely a guy who could come in 
and you know score in bunches like I've been saying for the Grizzlies not the best defender I know like some of the wing players in Memphis are there just strictly to ease the load on um, Ja a little bit but if you're getting the better scoring is there a good fit there probably I mean I don't know what they'd be willing to part with but this is a team who's definitely playing way better than anyone expected and like are ready to make a push at least in the playoffs right now in the west like I said that's totally wide open so could you see this as a possibility Sal to the Grizzlies yeah Desmond Bain Desmond Bain is starting um as one of their wing guys right now and he's been really good really good yeah yeah Dylan Brooks is there too though um who I I mean I like Dylan Brooks actually he's averaging 18.4 points per game which is kind of mind-blowing but uh you know what maybe this is just not a good fit I take back what I said I don't think there's many players that we could get back in return for this. Like, it doesn't make sense for... Maybe it makes sense for the Grizzlies. Uh, they have a lot of guard play, though, so... Yeah, they do. They really do. Uh, I forgot they have I think they'd be more interested in, in, like, a big man from us. Like, I heard, like, Sabonis stuff with that team. Yeah, but then we'd have to take back Steven Adams, and that's just not yeah. going to work. I'm our, I'm out on that just with Steven Adams alone. <laughs> Aquaman. Uh, Aquaman. Hey, I mean, he's a pretty like he's the protecting guy. Uh, my computer is about to shut down. It did that thing. Uh, I'm glad it didn't. Anyway, Stephen Adams is like that guy who's there to protect your superstar. We don't really have anyone that needs protecting right now, so we don't really need Stephen Adams because I I really think he's a zero on the court. Uh, other than protecting your superstar, let's move on to the Bucks who are starting Grayson Allen at their two guard, which isn't bad. I mean, Grayson Allen's not a terrible player by any means. They have Dante DiVincenzo, too, who's never healthy, at least recently. Um, and they'd probably want to upgrade from him anyways. But would you rather have Levert or Grayson Allen? Probably Levert, right? So Yeah. Um, when I, I – I don't know what a good trade here could be, but, I mean, think about it like – Karis LeVert there just giving them another option to score frees up Giannis a little bit frees up Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday a little bit too um I mean this obviously when they're all healthy I don't know how Karis LeVert fits in with that fully but if you're just adding ammo to an already stacked team like that could be a great fit for the Bucks. and I I don't know like I said I don't know what they'd have to give up to get Karis LeVert but I mean I do think this could be a good fit what are your thoughts I mean, I don't mind it. I mean, the Bucks it elevates them. Uh, I think that I don't know who I'd want back from the Bucks, but uh, look, all I'm saying, let's get George Hill and we'll take Jordan Wara. Yeah, and a first. And, well, I know they love Jordan Wara. That might that might hurt them a little bit, but they can give us what. Yeah, I guess we'd need a first for Karis LeVert. So let's move on to. Um, other teams, I mean, do you think the 76ers may trade for Karis LeVert? Is there any potential there? No, they want James Harden. Yeah, and or do they may, maybe some Damian Lillard? I don't know if that would work, but uh, who's hurt right now too? So that's probably definitely a no at this point. But um, let's move on to let's talk about Justin Holiday or Jeremy Lamb because they're like we've already talked about. There's been a ton of trade talk for Lamb at least before the season 
um, in the offseason until now. We've been hearing na- uh, Lamb's name thrown around a lot. But Justin Holiday's gotten some momentum going recently, at least in the trade market, because of how he's been playing this year and shooting uh, the ball from deep. There's a lot of teams here that I think, you know, don't have a lot of space to make moves, but getting a guy like Justin Holiday or Jeremy Lamb or both could really move the needle for them, as, at least if they're trying to compete, especially Justin Holiday. I guess it depends how high you are on Jeremy Lamb, but I'd rather have Justin Holiday. I think most people Me would too. too. Yeah. But obviously the first team you got to think of because it's the team every, everyone in the sports media talks about, um, the first team you got to think of is the Lakers. We know they're obviously in the market for Justin Holiday. Um, and definitely for Jeremy Lamb too, at least they were in the off season. Um, I'm sure it's, uh, held over at least a little bit. And that team's just not making sense, at least from a three and D aspect. They don't really have any guys like that who are, you know, helping LeBron score and space the floor on offense and then guarding opposing guards on defense. Um, I think Justin Holiday makes sense on this team. And I don't know. I mean, when you look at some of these Laker fans and like what trades they think they're going to get for THT and Kendrick Nunn, it's kind of mind blowing. Yeah. Because, like, you know, what's some like, gosh, I can't even think of any right now, but like Sabonis. Like, I had a buddy text me who's a Laker fan. He's like, what would you rather have for Sabonis? This terrible trade from the Grizzlies or whatever. Or, or no, it was, would you rather have Jalen Brunson and Dorian Finney Smith? or THT and Kendrick Nunn for Sabonis. And I was like, uh, neither. Yeah. Um, and, like, obviously, most Laker fans are delusional, at least a little bit. Probably all fans are, but it's more noticeable with Laker fans. Mm-hmm. But, look, if there's a Kendrick Nunn deal in here for Justin Holiday or Jeremy Lamb, like, I'm in because I love Kendrick Nunn. I would love to move Holiday to a team where he can hopefully find some success as well, too. I don't think he's a long-term fit for the Pacers. Obviously, like he's what 31 at this point. I love him as a player, but I'm okay with him moving on. I like the idea of getting, you know, a youngish, a youngish asset like Kendrick Nunn in and um, letting him kind of cook a little bit, see what he's capable of. Obviously, the defense isn't there. We've talked about that in the past, but um, what what are your thoughts there? Personally, I'm a huge Justin Holiday fan, so. Um, I think that, personally, this is just on personal bias. I'd love for him to retire in Indiana. That's not going to happen, though. But, um, yeah, I think that he brings an elevation to that team more than people would expect. Uh, I don't think I'd want Kendrick Nunn, or I don't think I'd even want a player back. I'd want just, like, a first-round pick. I know know they're interested in trading the, the, like, 2026 first-round pick. So I'd, I'd give them more than Justin Holiday is for that because LeBron probably won't be on the team. And uh, that's an enticing pick. Um, but I wouldn't want a guy like Kendrick Nunn just for the fact that we already have... A, I, I think we have some guard talent that has potential, like Dwayne Washington, another guy that I'm pretty high on. Uh, I've seen some people like calling him like the Pacers' Fred Van Vliet. Like it could be like kind of that kind of role. But, uh, I mean, he just hit a franchise rookie record for most three-pointers scored in a game, which was seven. Um, and, yeah, I, I think that 
getting back to the Justin Holiday situation, I think that he makes any title contender better. I think he makes the Lakers better. Um, and yeah, I guess technically it would make sense since we want to get younger and we want to just play the young guys. Um, but I would be looking for a pick rather than a player in return. If the Lakers' only move they make is to get Justin Holiday for a pick, that's going to be hysterical. I, I'm ready for that, especially I like I said, I have a, a handful of buddies who are Lakers fans, and I'm so excited to talk to them about all the trades they didn't make that they thought they were going to make. Um, yeah. And I mean, not to say Justin Holiday is not going to be an asset to that team because he definitely would be, but it would just be funny. Um, let's move on to the Minnesota Timberwolves who I'm looking at their roster right now. Um, they like, I put them down on this list because I think they could use some scoring. Um, their offensive rating right now is I think in, I think it's 23rd. I don't have the stat right in front of me. I was looking it up earlier, but I think they're 23rd in offensive rating right now. Um, they need some guys who can space the floor from three. They only have one guy shooting over 40% from three, unless you want to count McKinley Wright, the fourth, who's played nine minutes this year in three games combined um, and has shot a total of two three-pointers and made one of them. So unless you want to count that, they just have one guy shooting over 40, which is Carl Anthony Towns, and he's playing out of his mind this year. Yeah. He's uh, – He's at a 50-40-80 clip right now. He's uh, shooting 81% from the free throw line. Man, if he can move that up to 90, he might be, like you've said, and I think a few podcasts ago, he might be the greatest shooting center of all time. Yeah. Um, if if he can at least get to the 50-40-90 point, like, I might have to agree. Um, but they have him shooting well. But, I mean, other than that, like, they have a bunch of guys who are shooting okay from three. Like, Anthony Edwards is not bad shooting. D'Angelo Russell can heat up at any minute but like man if you could add in a Justin Holiday or a Jeremy Lamb to come in and take some of that some of those three-point shots away from like Patrick Beverly or I don't know Jaden McDaniels if you can take some of those threes away and give it to you know the two guys that I mentioned on the Pacers that could really turn this team or at least move the needle a little bit and get this team some playoff experience that they desperately need and that their fans desperately um want as well so yeah i think there's a fit here i don't know who we could trade for like i've been saying for all these i I didn't like come up with any trades i just want to talk about trade partners but maybe we can get like a i don't know how high you are on jared vanderbilt maybe we could move for him and some picks i I don't know yeah i like him he's definitely like interesting to me as a piece going forward but um, I, I, I think I agree with you as far as like picks go, like it would be nice to get a first in a few seconds, at least for me. I honestly would throw in Justin holiday and, um, Jeremy lamb for, you know, one first and a bunch of seconds. Like of I'm course, in for that. Yeah. Let's go. So if the Timberwolves are interested, like, I think that trade makes sense. And I mean, honestly, the main argument should be Beverly won't have to shoot as many threes and um, some of those other like deeper rotation guys, like a Jared Vanderbilt, wouldn't have to shoot threes either. So mm-hmm. that's my argument. I hope it works out for one of these teams. Um, Minnesota seems to make sense though. And then finally, I just got to mention the Suns. I know a lot of their like second unit isn't shooting as well this year. Um, Cameron Payne. I mean, Cam Johnson's fine, but like their scoring numbers are down off the bench 
not that the Suns need to get any better because they're already maybe the best team in the league at this point. But Jeremy Lamb and Justin Holiday could find a home in Phoenix. We'll see how it all shakes out. Is there any team that I've missed? I I, be, I don't even think I've I mentioned. Think you mentioned Sabonis. like half the NBA, so I think yeah. you're good. <laughs> yeah, so that's I have twelve. Like I said, twelve trade partners. Um, I only mentioned eleven. I I have the Mavericks and Sabonis. I feel like that'd be a Chris Stapps Porzingis thing. I'm out no, on that. You. Yeah. So let's let's not even worry about it. Let's move on though. Um, unless there's any other trades that you want to mention. No, I'm good. Awesome. Well, let's go on to the game recap, Sal. So let's. I'm dying to talk about this game that just end. By the way. Oh, okay, sweet. Let's. Well, we'll get there. Ooh, it's so embarrassing. We're gonna add. We're gonna add the Hornets game to the list. So we're gonna talk about the recap. We're gonna go from Clippers, Lakers, Warriors, Suns, Pelicans, all the way to the game that we just experienced and witnessed. At least you did. I wasn't watching it towards the end. Um, but the Hornets. So that's what one, two, three, four, five, six games. So let's go all the way back to the Los Angeles the Clippers. Clippers taking okay. on the Pacers. Sal, Sal, you run with this one. So uh, this is a game where um, I can't remember if I watched it too in depth. I know this, the next games after these, all the ones we're about to cover, I watched, but I can't remember this game really well. I know that I expected us to win. I think, because that's what I predicted is we win this game, but we did lose. Uh, Chris Duarte had a good game with 24, 7, 6, and 3 steals, and we lost by 6. Um, I, I really... Did you watch this game? Yeah, I did. All right, so let's hear what you have to say about it. So the hard thing watching... I, I mentioned this in the trade segment. When you watch the Clippers, at least when I'm watching them, it blows my mind that some of these guys play the way that they do. Nick Batum put up 32 points. I yeah, totally yeah, forgot I he had 32. Yeah, when I was researching this earlier, I totally forgot he had that many points, but it makes sense because, man, he was on freaking fire this mm-hmm. game. Batum had 32. Reggie Jackson had 26. I like Reggie Jackson, but he's one of those guys who any given night he could have a really good like all-star level scoring outing or just be like a mediocre or worse type of player. Um, at least as far as scoring goes. Um, Marcus Morris, too, is one of those guys where I anytime I watch him play, I, I kind of expect him to score 15 points. Yeah, he's been good this season. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he sat out a lot when he got clocked yeah. by Jokic. But, um, no, that's different. Different Morris. Oh, f- no, it was the Clippers, right? No, no, it was the Heat Morris, Marquis. Oh, you're he right. He still hasn't played. You know how many games he sat out for? I don't know. Like was 20 really? plus, I think. I didn't know it was Markeith. Oh, I thought it was Marcus. Okay. No, no, it was, it was the bummier brother. Gosh, man. It could, I mean, look, there's been rumors in the past that they will dress up as each other in the playoffs if one of them's hurt. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's there's some nice conspiracies out there about that. Um, I think it was Marcus who played for the Celtics, right? So yeah, it was when he got hurt one time on the Celtics, he like sprained his ankle or something and then ended up playing the next game and was fine. And it's like, how do you come back that quick from an injury like that? Markeef was not in the playoffs at the time. Um, and there was some speculation that maybe it was Markeef. You know they have the, like, obviously they look the same. They're twins. But they also have identical tattoos um, and could easily dress up as the other one and get away with it. That's all I'm saying. So, anyway, the 
what let me get back to this game so look amir coffee i don't know really anything about amir coffee <laughs> but he was playing really well in this game it was just tough i mean we we started i know i know we both like dwayne washington but like dwayne washington starting yeah. tory craig starting who's not really going he didn't get going against the clippers at all we had sabonis in there who was playing not great i mean he was playing okay just wasn't really a factor in this game which was weird um Karis Levert took a lot of the load on offense and he played he played decent too. The I mean, it's just for me watching this game, it's like I don't know if the Pacers could have done any more that they did than they did. We just ended up getting beat by yeah. the Clippers in this one and what was just honestly just an offensive outing with with almost zero defense on uh both sides. So, we ended up losing 133 to 139. Um and Honestly, can't be mad about that with um, this Pacers team that is kind of just thrown together at this point. So, also wanted to mention Duarte had 24 points, 6 assists, 7 rebounds, and 3 steals. I love Chris Duarte. Let's move on to the next game, which is the Pacers and Lakers. Sal, I know you were all about this game. Why don't you take this one away? So, I watched this game uh, at least uh, the second half more intently. But this was a game where Sabonis and Karis LeVert seemed like they couldn't be stopped. Uh, I actually wrote a whole spiel uh, after the game on the Hall Pacers Instagram. And um, Sabonis had two threes and he was 75% from the field with a triple-double. So he had 20 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists. And Karis LeVert, it was a total LeVert show in the fourth quarter. Uh, He was pretty... He was just doing normal Karis things in the first three quarters, but in that fourth quarter, he had 20 points of his total 30 points, and it was just honestly stellar to watch uh, him just shoot. It basically looked like he made everything. Uh, he ended up shooting 75%, which is pretty rare for Karis LeVert, and uh, it was a pretty uh, pretty fun game to watch, and it's awesome watching the Pacers beat LeBron. Yeah, no doubt, um, especially the season LeBron's having right now, too. Mm-hmm. The crazy thing to me watching this game was the Lakers started Trevor Ariza who it just it I mean obviously is wild that he's still in the NBA but starting for a championship contender potentially like the Lakers is just crazy too obviously the uh Lakers didn't have Anthony Davis in this one they started Dwight Howard at center and that's why Trevor Ariza started too was maybe like a bigger body to be the four not great if you're looking at it from the Lakers' perspective, especially like if you want to stop Demonis Sabonis, your answer isn't um, Dwight Howard. So, yes, Sabonis went off in this game. Oh, you know, he sprained that, his ankle. He sprained his ankle this that's game. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So he had a triple played double. Played through Spra- it though. Played through played, it. Played through it and was really important in it. It would have been nice, you know, just to let him have a breather and take the rest of the game off. Maybe we could have added a loss to this um, yeah. record. But look, Brogdon was here healthy, playing great defense. Karis LeVert, Justin Holiday adding, you know, great shooting from the perimeter. I thought well, Brogdon the, left midway through this game. Yeah, and yep, and then Torrey Craig started this one too, who wasn't shooting great, but we don't really expect him to. It's kind of crazy that he had 12 shots in this one. And he only made two of them, right? And he only made two of them. He shot yeah. 16% from the field, so mm-hmm. that's okay. I mean, obviously, like, like you had mentioned already, LeVert and Sabonis took over in this one. Let's move on to the next game. All right, so this was the Warriors win. This is our little two-game party that we had. Uh, Chris Duarte, 
another uh, good game. He had 27, seven rebounds, three assists, and three steals. Uh, he shot 10 for 16, uh, and he made some crazy shots that I couldn't... Well, I mean, honestly, I can believe it now because Chris kind of has that reputation in my mind that he can take some very tough shots that are extremely hard-looking and still make them somehow. Um, Justin Holiday uh, sent us to overtime with this insane three that I didn't uh, see coming at all. He split through the defense, and it looked like he was being guarded by two people jumped, and he still made it. Um, Kiefer Sykes totally took over in overtime. Uh, I think he provided us like seven in a row or something, but uh, he was great. Awesome to see uh, Kiefer have good games. I like that a lot. And Isaiah Jackson, uh, was this the game that Goga got ejected? It was, yeah. Yeah, so Isaiah Jackson was playing really good as well, and he was looked very talented out there and uh, very good defensively as well. Yeah, I have a lot to say about this game. I'm going to talk about Isaiah Jackson real quick. He came in when Goga got thrown out, which Goga has to figure that out because there's no reason that he should have got thrown out of this one. He had just gotten posterized by, I Gary think, Payton. Gary Payton II, yeah, yeah. Um, who was, you know showboating a little bit towards Goga and it got the best of Goga I mean he came up headbutted a guy who was a foot shorter than him and got thrown out of this game understandably so so Isaiah Jackson came in I don't know if he just had like super fresh legs or what but man he came in ready and Mm -hmm. gave this team like a much needed bump to at least get into overtime and then once we got into overtime like you already said Kiefer Sykes took over and the craziest thing he did was he blew by Iguodala for a layup. And, I mean, it was a contested layup still, but added some jelly to it. And, man, it, it was nice. It was yeah, a great play. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so, I mean, o- over Iguodala, too, is wild. The When I'm watching this game and you see the starting lineup, which the Pacers, if you aren't familiar with this one, they started Kiefer Sykes, Duarte, Torrey Craig, Justin Holiday, and Goga Patadze. Mm-hmm. It's so wild. I saw excuses all over the internet from the Warrior fans that it just because Draymond no is out, excuse. that's why the pace. Yeah, well, that there shouldn't be, but like Draymond was out, that's why the Warriors lost. And it's like, yeah, but also the Pacers had none of their starters, and also we don't have T.J. McConnell, so there should be no excuse. This should be an easy win, and. I mean, when you look at some of the good things the Warriors had going that they just kind of left in the dust. Like Gary Payton was unreal on defense in this one. I mean, just what I ended up with two steals. I think those were on back-to-back plays in the fourth quarter and then didn't play the rest of the game. Um, wild to me that Iguodala is getting overtime minutes and Gary Payton's not. So that's a that's wild I, I think Steve Kerr needs to figure that one out because Gary Payton definitely needs to be playing but the Pacers just got the best of them I think the Warriors took the Pacers for schmucks which is understandable but the Pacers just you know fought together as a unit and pulled out this win when it mattered most so this was my favorite game of the season no doubt and Pacers won this one in overtime 121 to 117 Sal let's move on to the next one all right that's Pacers Suns on January 22nd we thought we could get this three-game winning streak going on the road and take out the Phoenix Suns, or at least maybe someone did. I I, I didn't think we were going to no, win this one. I did not think so. Yeah, Sal, what are your thoughts on so, this one? This was our 30th loss. I kind of tuned out of the game after a while, after a couple quarters. I, was, I knew we were going to lose at that point. 
Uh, Goga Batadze, your your boy, I gave you a little shout-out in the caption. Um, he had 16 points, 11 rebounds, 2 assists, and a block. Uh, pretty awesome stat line for Goga. Has Obviously, I'd still like him to uh, succeed and at least build up some trade value if we're ready to move on from him, which I think he's got a couple more seasons minimum here. But, um, yeah, besides that, uh, I didn't really watch this game a lot. I know, I think it was Chris Paul that had a good game, like a really good game. Uh, you'd have to fact check me on that, but... No, yeah. yeah, I mean, he had 16 assists. This was a uh, Bismack Biombo game. Yeah. At least for me. Right. Yeah, Bismack Biombo had a great game. Like 20 and yeah. 10 or something? 20, 21 and 13. Yeah. And two blocks. Uh, he, I I think this might have been his first game for the Suns. I, I could be wrong no. here, but at, mm-hmm. at least it's it's one of his first few games. Um, I think he was just picked up in free agency. Um, recently, right? It's, it, he's was, only it, played. Was, it was a few games back. Before the one when we played them, I think. Okay, that okay. So anyway, the point is, is Biombo came into the system and almost has just fit in flawlessly. Yeah, he's a quality NBA player. Which is wild because you don't always think of Bismack Biombo as a quality NBA player, but it's to me it shows that this Phoenix Suns team is a a really good unit. Especially like they didn't have DeAndre Ayton in this game. They started Javale McGee, yeah. who's also not a bad NBA player. By Great any stretch. Season. Great season this year. Yeah, I mean, he's been solid, Gotta especially a guy. Him. I thought he was out of the league until the, I don't even know, the Lakers. Maybe the War. like even on the Warriors, I thought it was just like one of those guys who just came in and was the fifth guy, just set good screens type of thing on the Warriors, but has totally revitalized his career and is an, is an important piece on this Suns team. Um, but yeah, Biombo came in, played really well. Landry Shamit's the name I didn't mention earlier when I was talking about the second unit on the Suns. He's been shooting really bad this year. That's one of the reasons I wanted to bring up Holiday, Lamb, or Levert. I think they could fit in with this team in a trade, but what we already talked about it, so let's not talk about it again. But look, the Pacers started the same lineup that was started against the Warriors, and it just didn't work this time. The Suns are the better team, um, and they... Kind of ran away with this one in the third, which is pretty typical of Pacers basketball. So, tough one here. Sal, anything else you want to mention in this game? No, not really. All right, let's move on then. So, we lost 103-113, like I said, bringing us to 17-30. and 30. Yeah. Next, we went to New Orleans to play the Pelicans. Sal, what? Yeah, Sal, why don't you talk about this one a little so bit? So, we lost by four points. Um, I'm happy we did go for this loss, and we... Embrace the tank for this one, as I captioned it. But, um, yeah, I'm happy we got this loss. Uh, The Pelicans is another team that we're competing for a uh, top five pick with. Uh, Dwayne Washington, though, uh, good game. I love this guy. Uh, 21 points, all on threes. He had seven three-pointers. That's all he scored with. He had two rebounds and three assists. Um, I really like what I see from Dwayne Washington. That's really the only takeaway I have from this game is... Dwayne Washington, um, show a lot of flashes from him. I think he could be, I think right now he's played more of a shooting guard role for the Pacers this year, but I mean, you can see some combo guard skills that he can potentially unlock down the line. I'd have to see how old he is. I, I think he's like 23 or something. He's 21. He's about to be 22, but 21. Oh, only tw- okay. So yeah, I mean like he's got a lot of time to grow. Um, and yeah, I'm very happy for him with this game and happy for the future with him. 
Yeah, no doubt. The third quarter, if it was taken out of this game, we would have won by one, but we ended up losing by four. And yeah. the, I mean, there's a few takeaways for me. The biggest one is Dwayne Washington's young and had a really good game. You love to see it. I think you had said earlier that that was a rookie record for in yes, uh, Pacers history was seven threes mm-hmm. in one game. So shout out Dwayne Washington for doing that. Um, there were a few guys who every night I want to see more from them. Sometimes you see it, sometimes you don't. For me, the biggest one is O'Shea Brissett. He finished this one with six points and nine rebounds, which is fine. But man, when you see him play, I mean, he played 32 minutes and 55 seconds in this one, basically 33 minutes and shot one for five from the field and one for four from three and then hit three out of five of his free throws. Like, I mean, when you get him out on the break, I love seeing him play that way. But if he's not engaged fully and running to his spots and getting the ball in the right spots too, like, I mean, he just puts up dud stat lines like this. Where I think it's got to be a Carlisle thing with O'Shea. It's got to be something. It's, I don't think he loves O'Shea Brissett, so I don't know no. what practice is looking like. Maybe he just doesn't have like a good position that Carlisle's comfortable with on this no. team. But, yeah, I mean, I don't get – he played the most minutes out of anyone in this rotation t- on uh, against the Pelicans and still didn't look great. So it was this was a tough one for him. His plus-minus was zero, though. So anytime when he was on the court, it was even, which After is After the trade deadline, we'll look to – See some more O'Shea, hopefully. Hopefully. Well, we've been saying that, so we'll, we'll see. Um, Let's see. We'll see. Duarte finished with 14 points, which I feel like on his worst nights, he's going to have at least 10. Yeah, Which I is, that's a cool thing about Duarte. So I, I'm in on that, and he's going to play defense no matter what. So that's another takeaway. And then that's our last one until tonight, which just wrapped up against the Hornets. Okay, I, I don't have stuff to say about this one. Yeah. Why don't, you, why don't you talk about that? Because I don't have so, that pulled up. I was able to uh, actually put out a quick post mid-podcast recording session with the uh, game if you wanted to check that out. But oh, my gosh. We gave the Hornets a franchise record in scoring. They scored 158 points. We lost by 32 points. Completely embarrassing. Kelly Oubre Jr. had 39 points and 10, assi- and 10 rebounds. He had 10 three-pointers. LaMelo Ball had a triple-double, 29 points, 10 rebounds, and 13 assists for LaMelo. Miles Bridges had 22 points on 8-for-10 shooting. Terry Rozier, 20 points. Um, and yeah, Kelly Oubre, 39-5-3, sorry. 10 three-pointers, that was. And jeez, uh, oh it was embarrassing. The Pacers actually posted a game final um, template or whatever they usually do. And if you want to check that out... Um, their post, they put the score and the logos. You know how it's usually on the bottom of their posts? The yeah. logo and uh, of the teams and the score is like super small. It's on a fine line. Like they, no caption, just fine line. It's so funny. Amazing. Um, yeah. I didn't know it got this out of hand. Holy cow. So the yeah. Hornets had 42 in the it third so and 45. Close. Halftime, it was 70 something to, uh, like it was basically tie game. We were down one. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it was this, it was the cow. third quarter. They outscored us forty-two to twenty-four. Hey, shout out to the third quarter. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, good for Lamelo Ball trying to get that All Star um, nudge. I think so, he'll get it. 
I think he will. I, I can't see a scenario where he doesn't make it, especially with his fame, yeah. at least factoring that in, too. Duarte had 11 points, so I don't know what his shooting splits were in this one, but like I said, at least 10 from Duarte. You love to see it. Levert only had 10 as well. Only played 20 minutes, though. Still coming back, getting fully healthy. Um, and Oh, Lance Stevenson, uh, 14 points, 10 assists, and 6 rebounds. He was the game yeah, that's, MVP. Definitely worth mentioning. Um, I, I knew he was going to get a double double with assists. At least at halftime, he had seven or eight. So I thought it would be more. But hey, shout out Lance. Hopefully, going to get a remainder of the season contract. We will see soon. But Sal, let's finish up this segment with predictions for the next three games, which are against the Thunder, the Mavericks, and the Clippers. And I'm going to pull this up while you start talking about this because I don't have this in front of me do you have this in front of you the game log or no the next three games yeah so okc dallas and clippers yes okay so we'll be at the thunder on friday january 28th at dallas and then at home for clippers yep so what's your prediction for these next three games well i'd love to say zero and three but i don't think that's likely i think we go one and two um I think Dallas is a loss, uh, especially because it's at Dallas. And um, Clippers, I think it's another kind of situation that we had with them in the last one that we just played recently. And OKC, it seems like we usually beat them. So, I mean, at least last season, we blew them out. So Had our record for, or an NBA record, right? For yeah biggest until this season i think Set, like, someone already top broke three that. biggest wins or something yeah it was number one at the time i think until who broke it this year can't think um whatever but yeah so i mean we definitely had okc's number last year but it's a completely different team for the pacers yeah the i think we could lose though because they still have shea and we really don't have i mean sabonis could be back um yeah i, I think sabonis makes his return sometime in the next three games i think we do get a sabonis game mm-hmm. i hope yeah so you mentioned it shea's been really outstanding this year uh yeah. lou dort is another player you can't sleep on he's averaging 16 points per game two this season yeah. so huge and josh giddy their 19 year old rookies looked really good at least as a kind of triple double should have been uh, a near pacer. near triple double uh stat line guy every night so yeah shooting well and um, I mean, this team just has a bunch of young guys who are looking to prove themselves. So, uh, honestly, they can beat any team on any given night. You see that when they play, like, the Lakers or I'm trying to think of who else they've beat this year. That's, like, a really good team. It's been more than just the Lakers. But anytime they play the Lakers, it seems like, you know, they just totally control the game. And I don't know what it is about them. Maybe it is, like I said, it's a bunch of young guys trying to prove themselves. But who knows? I think any given night this team can totally take over and – Hopefully it's against the Pacers. We'll see. The the win loss records are pretty much similar. Yeah. The Pacers. I, I, hopefully we lose this one because we're still fighting for that top five pick. And I really do hope that Shea gets 101 points because I do have his rookie card that is signed, and I'd love to see him break the scoring record in the game, <laughs> which would be awesome for my uh, bank account. Dude, that would be awesome. I'll root for it. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Um. So yeah, that I'm gonna predict one and two as well. Um, I I have a feeling we're gonna end up beating 
I don't know. I'm just going to say I think we're going to beat the Clippers. Yeah. And I think we're going to lose to the Thunder Mavericks. That's me being a little crazy, but maybe it could be right. Who knows? Yeah, um, I don't predict a specific win against any of these three teams. I just think we'll end up with one against any of the teams, honestly. Yeah, and I also want to mention, too, you predicted a 1-14 in 14 win-loss yeah. uh, starting December 26th, I believe. Something like that. Or no, it was it starting before Christmas, wasn't it? I think it was December twenty first against the Heat. Yeah. So we ended up winning four games and lost all the others. So not a bad prediction, man. It's some of the games that we won, I mean actually all the games we won was kinda wild other than the Rockets, which you predicted we beat. Um mm. the Jazz we beat, which was just wild. No go and bear though. No go bear, but still like it's this Pacers team. So <laughs> To me, just Let's wild show. that we even won that one. Yep. Uh, Lakers we beat and the Warriors we beat in that stretch. So cra- crazy outcomes. Definitely couldn't have predicted this happening. Um, but hopefully we can we can continue this losing streak. I'm fine winning three games out of 15 or four games out of 16 or whatever it is as long as it gets us closer to that pick in the top five. So we have officially since last time we recorded crossed the halfway point for the the season i believe yeah four games left after tonight i believe yeah so we haven't recorded a podcast in i think a week and a half so yeah i think yeah i think it maybe we didn't mention it last time but um yeah we'll see how the rest of the season goes i can't see it changing much i don't know how you feel hopefully worse yeah hopefully worse man we'll we'll see it was a rough start to the season. We had a couple good wins there in the middle, but yeah, recently it's been bad. So we'll see. Maybe we maybe we will get that top five pick like maybe we're hoping we go for. Zero and thirty five, and <laughs> this game included. You know, maybe we go zero and thirty five and get that first pick. Man, how crazy would that be? I'm here oh, for man. it. Me too. Zero and thirty five. Lance averages a triple double, and O'Shea Brissett averages thirty. Oh, like, yeah. is that the dream scenario? I think so. So. We'll see how it goes, but um, let's wrap this podcast up. All right, let's wrap it up, Jack. This has been a exciting week for Pacers basketball, or past two weeks, and we'll leave it at that. And for Jack, I'm Sal, and thank you for listening to the All Pacers pod, and we'll catch you next time. Peace out. You want me, Joel Embiid? Come get it, because I'm going to give it to you. Are you kidding me? Sabonis brought it to him.